Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the podcast Strikes Back. My name is George and you're listening to our spoiler review of The Irishman with the boys Connor. Hello. And Benny. Hi there. I think since we started this podcast in April 2017, The Irishman was one of those first stories we covered. It's been a long journey. We've heard drips and drabs over the years and now finally this experiment is here. Martin Scorsese, the master of cinema, coming to a streaming platform, Netflix, and making a film. Who would a have film. thought? A film. Not a comic book film, but a film. Not a movie. Not a roller coaster ride. <laughs> this is a fucking film. But here we are. It's out. It's had a little bit of a cinema run. Uh, so to appease Scorsese, I'm sure, that was part of the deal that he inked. And uh, we, we're getting into spoilers. No, no bullshit on this podcast. Uh, we're we're getting straight into it, um, but actually we're not going to get straight into it. We're going to we're going <laughs> to talk bit of about uh, a little bit of bullshit. <laughs> uh, what we were what we were feeling going in, you know, two and a half years of talking about it on the podcast, uh, trailers coming out. How is everyone feeling just before the Irishman started, Connor? Ha! <laughs> <laughs> Sake. Whoa. Um. Yeah. So. As you mentioned, this is we've been, this has been our, on our radar for ages, and just the kind of I guess remit alone put this on such a level of hype that my assumption was that it was never going to reach that level of hype. So they had like this kind of uh, Scorsese is doing a Netflix film. Um, it's with uh, Pesci and Nero and Pacino, um, and like that just just that kind of uh, you know poster. He's like, all right, well, this is this is so hyped. This is this is going to be the the Scorsese classic gangster film, and with all the classic gangster um, characters or, or actors. And um, so, yeah, I, I was super concerned about um, going in about the, that kind of expectation based purely on that. Um, and then comes along this idea that it's going to take place over several decades, and that they are going to de-age. De Niro and uh, Pesci and and just like that that to me was a bizarre way to go. Prune face Pesci. Sorry. Prune face Pesci. Prune face Pe- like that man has so many <laughs> folds in his face when he was a young guy. Um, it's nothing if now. not ambitious. It very ambitious, right? And part of me was quite surprised because it didn't seem like a, a move that Scorsese would make. Um, I don't know whether, like, I don't know why I thought that. It just kind of didn't feel quite on brand. Um, he he always seems like such a visceral um, story, like a, like a um, filmmaker, like in um, camera kind of. Guy. Yeah, that there's very little that I would have assumed. Like he, this didn't seem like the kind of project that he would go all out on a CGI budget for. But um, nonetheless, that that was the way that they were going, and and you know a lot of people focused on that in the trailers. Um, I was quite lenient on on how they looked. Um, there were some scenes that looked kind of wonkier than others, but on the whole, I was willing to give it a bit of a pass. Um, so yeah, going into this, heard a lot about it, it being really great, heard a lot about it being slightly boring, um, and everything in between. So I kind of went into this more curious than anything else, ultimately. Benny, you got a little bit of a... You, you went to the cinema and saw this. I saw this in the cinema because uh, I'm I'm a film fan. Well done. <laughs> oh, I, I Does that, that hung up on your wall? That would be more like the theme park version of it, right? In the cinema, more so <laughs> than at home. 
Um, I don't know. I just ran out to see this straight away because, like you said, we've been talking about it so long. It's one of the major releases of the year, one of the most anticipated films. Uh, you know, it's Scorsese. You kind of got to give the man his due, I guess. Um, that being said, overall, I'm not a huge Scorsese guy, really. Um, in part, that's ignorance. I haven't seen a lot of his movies. Uh, and in part, maybe it's just time. It's been a long time since I've seen either Goodfellas or Casino. And I think both of them are on DVD, which is always a different experience. Um, absolutely love Wolf of Wall Street. That was um, definitely my, my favorite leading up to this. Uh, didn't like like Hugo very much. I never saw Silence. Um, but he's kind of held up as this you know real icon uh, of, of filmmaking, of cinema. Um, so good for everyone who gets all of that out of his stuff. But um, for me, the, the prospect of seeing you know, all these actors coming together again under this director, I'm like, you know, whatever. That doesn't mean anything to me necessarily. And then, of course, you get into the whole, it's a Netflix movie and they're spending $100 million on de-aging everyone. Uh, and it's three and a half hours long, um, which is probably my main uh, trepidation going in, was having to sit in not the most comfy cinema for three and a half hours. But um, the... Uh, the idea, I mean, he's, he has been moving steadily into the world of like visual effects quite strongly for a few years now. Like Wolf of Wall Street, I don't know if you guys have seen the videos that kind of deconstruct a lot of the kind of invisible effects in that movie. It's really effects heavy, um, which is really surprising. Well, I suppose it is. Like that entire tennis scene, I remember yeah, like, that seeing like, that. like Almost completely CGI or something. Yeah. But um, yeah, so I, I don't know, whatever he can clearly do but then anyway, the, the the proof was in the pudding so i was waiting for a trailer to come along and that first trailer came along and it wasn't so much the it, what was on display that i took issue with but what wasn't like it felt like they were trying really hide hard it, yeah. to hide it and i'm like that seems like such a bad sign um th- there was that trailer more recently last week or the week before that yeah. i thought was so much better yeah i'd already seen the film by that point though so hey, that was me going into the thing um not all that excited, to be honest, but ready to give it a go. Yeah, I thought that first trailer was really not the greatest. And and luckily the latest trailer that you just mentioned was. And then all those things you mentioned with the de-aging, that, that was a massive concern for this. Mm. Uh, it could have, you know, that's the linchpin of success. But I was always, you know, Robert De Niro, he's had some real bad ones recently that I haven't even gone near but a bad grandpa or dirty grandpa or something <laughs> mm. you know he he's not getting the best scripts in front of him and to see the gang of pesci de niro scorsese unite again you know it's tantalizing ray romano you know add in ray romano add in um um pacino pacino you know it's all there for the taking but is there is it all going to break under the weight of all these CVs of all these guys, you know, that was definitely a concern. Mm. Um, and the three and a half run hour runtime, you, you guys know listeners and, and you guys Connor and Benny know better than, than anyone that I, I get fidgety in movies. And, and if the film isn't justifying its runtime, I, I, I want, I, I sort of want things to wrap up quicker, quicker than they often do. So uh, that, that you was show a this by just falling asleep. Yes. Um, I mean, it's, it shows utter disdain, right? Yeah. <laughs> just not, even, not even disdain, just like you are not on my radar <laughs> yeah. enough to keep me awake. Just even consciousness. Yeah. yeah. Not it doesn't worthy. deserve my consciousness. So, so should we jump, jump into this? Yeah, let's talk. Let, let's let's we, talk spoilers. For those who, who, haven't, who haven't seen the film, you probably should get out of here. And um, let, let's just give a quick- Spend three and a half hours record. of your life. 
That's it. Watching it. But let's give a quick recommendation for those who, who are going to just jump out of here. Well, would you would you recommend The I, I don't even, Okay, yeah, I suppose we can do that. Uh, yes, kind of 100%. 100% recommend watching this and uh, in a cinema if you can. Um, because I know that if I'd sat down to watch this at home, I would not be able to stay away from my phone and I would maybe fall asleep. <laughs> I can confirm. No um, I would suggest watching this in the cinema mostly because I didn't. Um, this movie, I think, will and has been dividing people in the sense that um, it is very long. <laughs> and it, I think it only just scrapes by by justifying that length. Um, so yeah, I, if, if you're a massive Scorsese fan or if you're a really big fan of, uh, you know, mobster movies. Then you've already then, yeah, seen it. Yeah, well, you've already seen it. But also, yeah, go check it out because it's more of what you love. Um, if you're someone that isn't particularly a fan of or like, you know, doesn't really give two craps about Scorsese or, or these characters or that style of film, I definitely just, this is not worth, you know, putting it yourself through it. I would definitely recommend this. If you've got a Netflix account, get on this. I think this would be a fantastic cinema experience. I myself would love to go check it out if it's still out. Who knows? Um, I thought it was, uh, it was really just delivered in spades. I thought that the three and a half hour runtime whisked by and uh, I guess we'll talk about that more. Well, let's, let's jump into... Into the spoiler review. Yeah. Can I suggest we start, get the technical aspect out of the way? Just have a big discussion about the CGI and then we can talk about the actual movie itself. After the, okay, yeah, de-aging. let's do that, let's do that. That's the hot um, topic. Because that was the biggest uh, concern, I think, going into yeah, this. That and the runtime. But mm. um, yeah, let's talk about that. Um, so I think that there were varying degrees of competence. Mm-hmm. Um, that were shown off in this film. I completely agree. Um, I think that of everything, De Niro was probably done the best in terms of the de-aging, which is the main kind of CGI effect in this, in, in, in his face. Um, one of the most bizarre things about this film is you would see a relatively well-constructed CGI face on a very obviously old body. And there was one scene in particular um, if we're going to jump into spoilers, of De Niro beating up the shopkeeper. Oh, my God, that was where hilarious. Where he was obviously an old man, like, kicking like an old man. And the, the, the guy is, like, screaming for his life, like, help, an 80-year-old man is stepping yeah. on my finger. And it's amazing. very clearly an 80-year-old yeah, that man. That was fantastic. It's like, why wasn't there a body double for that scene? So weird. I mean, obvi- like, that would have been the obvious thing. Anyone, anyone with eyes can, can tell mm. that this is obviously an old man beating up a, a young man. And, like... That was hilarious. I mean, that was the most, I think, like egregious example of that. There was a lot of like in the mannerisms or the movements of of De Niro and Pacino and, and Pesci. Mm. Pesci less so because his character was more refined in the in, in his movements. Um, but uh, anyone that had to do any like action or, or moving of any sort is quite obvious that these were older men playing I, younger I people. I disagree. I think that... What it came down to was the time, how far back they were aging them. I thought the when they were younger, the de-aging, like there was one particular scene when they were leaning over a car, and I thought, whoa, this this is this is like video game territory. Pesci calls scene. De Niro kid, and like no one there looks younger than fifty-five. Yeah, but, okay, but, no, no, and, this is what I mean. Like, but the, as we get older, like I thought it looked flawless in a lot of scenes. I completely, especially agree. in the middle well, yeah. chunk. I, I I think that 
Like, I was I was simply in that I was just addressing the discrepancy between the like at, at no point was I fooled that these were young men's bodies. Mm. Like I'm just saying like the discrepancy between the face and the and the movement. Right. Of it. Yeah. And I, I definitely agree. Like the farther back you go, the more wonky it goes. Because I thought that um, you know it was and it wasn't that far they were pushing him back, Al Pacino. You know. But if there was any de-aging going on there, it looked pretty much flawless mm. to me. Really? Yeah. I thought he looked fantastic. I thought all the de-aging in that middle chunk and the later chunks, I thought in the, in, the makeup in, in general was really, really well done. It was those earlier scenes, the world war, you know, the, the war scene. It, that's where it looked really wonky for me. See, mm. I, I thought that- And it never became a distraction them- either. After those initial scenes, when we were through that, I was like, okay, we're into this and it's not a distraction. That, yeah. that was my experience. Yeah, I said in the last episode of the pod, I think it's the most accomplished de-aging we've ever seen. Um, and I completely stand by that, if only because of the sheer volume of it. Yeah. Um, there's definitely wonky parts here and there. But, you know, when you're talking about um, uh, Michael Douglas in, in Ant-Man, that's like a minute or two of the movie. Um Whereas this is is a three and a half hour movie that I don't even know kind of where the de aging stops and the aging is yeah. like with makeup because closer to their actual ages completely so yeah because there are some really stark examples where you think it's like okay this must be just De Niro as he is now but then you get to the end of the movie and he's looking so old and frail it's like okay no which where's the effect yes. where's the line here because some of it is like some I just can't I can't pick it some of it must be hundred percent yeah and but I just some of it is so flawless. And even stuff who are like the ones who are most worried about, like Joe Pesci, there are definitely some kind of rubbery scenes here and there when you're getting a real good look at him. But there are other ones where you see him in a scene and he looks pretty damn good. And this is an actor you haven't seen in a movie for like 20, 30 years. So you're like, I guess what he looks like. But then you see him at his actual age or what I presume it is. And you're like, holy fuck, they did so much (laughs) work on him and it looks really good. Yeah. Yeah. And and De Niro's character as well with the blue eyes and his CG work, Mm. Frank Sheeran almost is not really Robert De Niro. He becomes something different Mm. because Robert De Niro didn't look like that when he was younger. No, not at all. So he, he almost becomes this, this strange sort of half CG half real character which is mm. kind of fascinating and i definitely think they pulled it off mm. because i had a very much an emotional connection with mm. that character and what he was going through the cg never became uncanny valley like pulled me out of it after those initial scenes i must say at the beginning i was like please 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 and then it was fine mm. but that initial scene when they were leaning over the car I don't know, man. I, I was sort of thinking to myself, oh, God. There was definitely a disconnect throughout, though, to some degree. Yeah. Mostly retrospectively being like, how old was anyone meant to be at any point in that film? It was very unclear, right? Because I'm, like, like, I'm like, because like, no, no, it, no, it doesn't. If Pesci is looking at him and going like, kid. kid like, I was did, constantly throughout the film trying to say, what's the age difference between these guys? And at no point in the film was I really clear. It doesn't really even clear. matter. It's, it's, it doesn't even matter. He, De Niro could even be older. It's about the character dynamics and the relationship between but, like, them. Your age does make a difference. Like, I think that the, the, the seniority or the status of each, like if you're the same age, or like if it would have been weird if um, De Niro was meant to have been older than Russell or the, than Pesci. Like that, that would have changed the dynamic of those two characters. I think it's I think. a nitpick that's, it doesn't bear much, doesn't well, I mean, hold much does. weight to me. Because it's, it, or maybe not to you, yeah. But I mean, like in general, if you like, if you're going to go for that, that uh, down that route of de-aging, um, you're obviously making a statement about age, right? So there should be some focus given on 
not just de-aging them, but like de-aging them to what point, or at least to a point where you can tell, oh, he's meant to be older than the well, I think other the person. relative ages were very consistent throughout. So you you were very, like when, we just mentioned it about like Pesci look, looking at De Niro and being like kid, and you're like. No, I'm saying it's weird be... that he called him kid because they both look 50, or yeah, like they both look at point. least 50. Like clearly Pesci was meant to be older. Um, and, and, and it was just a, a question for me right at the beginning, like how old is anyone meant to be? And it never bothered me again throughout the film. Um, but just looking back at it, I'm like, how old was anyone meant to be? Like, was anyone meant to be near my age? Because I'm like, I, I, surely not. But then you think of like uh, De Niro in the war flashback. I'm like, he's probably younger than me, right? But there's that's the whole, the fantastic nature of this film. Yeah, well, it's, that's why I'm saying why it's such a great accomplishment because it really didn't bother me in the movie. The gradient nature of it, the the way the camera moves, the themes of it, it all ties together into sort of, you know, this this extruded life and the experience of life. And it's 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 all fascinating. And the de-aging, it kind could they have gotten away without it? Most definitely. Um, but, so could this, they, this, but they would have to substitute younger actors. And in. that's what I was thinking yeah. about today because I don't think, like as much as I was saying in our review of, um, of uh, Dr. Sleep that certain characters show up in that movie and you're like, oh, it's so cool that they just use a different actor. There's no digital trickery going on. You're just looking at a human face. In this movie, I, was, I found it funny to find feeling the opposite because I'm like, yes, you can see the seams sometimes a little bit, but it's so effective in crafting this epic story that takes place over decades that you could not do as well because you, you'd have the looper effect. You'd have the bit where you have to change from Joseph Gordon-Levitt to Bruce Willis. And that's too much of a gradual change throughout it all, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because yeah. it takes place mm. bit by bit over these years. Because that's that that one bit of Looper that I think everyone has a chuckle at, where it suddenly just goes from it's Joseph Gordon Levitt being kind of young to him with like a really high hairline yeah. to just Bruce Willis yeah. in like one montage, yeah. and it's like, I, like yeah. I was I was forgiving the makeup, <laughs> but I don't know about that. Part. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so I thought th- this movie was I really kind of unique in that, that way. movie to do that. Oh, absolutely, and, and like I said, it works for me in that movie. But I don't think you could do that with like two or three different actors playing this one character in this film. Because, hmm. like, with The Godfather Part Two, you have De Niro as young Corleone and then uh, what's his name as old, but there's, Chino. like, so many uh, oh, decades. Yeah. Brando. So many so many Chino. decades in between that. You can yeah. easily get away with it. But this is so gradual, you know? Yes, exactly. No, look, I, I think that I, I think this is the right way to go. I'm not, I, I certainly don't disagree with that. Um, it's just, it's, it's still ambitious. Um I, there's still levels of uncanny valley there, um, but there were there were certainly scenes and in fact large chunks of scenes where you just forget that that's a mm. thing um, and you get immersed in not only the story but the acting. Um, so there's some really just like some like I think the yeah you you can you can put aside the fact that it's it's CGI. I want to I've recommended this to my dad and I want to just. Ask him and interview him. Sit him down for like an hour and just mm. like, what, what, what did he notice any CG? You know, what was his thoughts on the film? But but really zone in there and see like, did he did he pick up on mm. these these sort of these yeah. these, these things? There's also the element of go, like he's just immersed in the story yeah. and he doesn't even think about yeah. the the technical side of filmmaking. You know, he's just in it. And that's kind of the I'm trying to. S- Say this without sounding like a massive wanker. Good luck. Uh, um, you know when you when you play a game and you try and game the game, like there's a phrase for that. I think it's just something gamify. Yeah, I don't know. Anyways, it's when you're trying to like 
skirt around the rules? Are you trying to use the rules of the game or how that's meant to be played? So if like someone asks you multiple choice, you're trying to think, oh, uh, one of these choices is going to be an obvious like wrong, one's going to be an obvious right, instead of just answering the question with what you think it is. Mm. And I think that for people that think a lot about, like us, that would think a lot about, oh, what's the execution like? How are they doing this? What is the process? Like, does it look good in this light? Does it look good in that light? That becomes more of a focal point, and it can sometimes um, obscure you from actually watching the movie as it's meant to be enjoyed, which is forget about the, like, enjoy the illusion of it. Yeah. Yeah, I guess guess if I can be succinct for once in my life, I would sum it up by saying that I'm really impressed by how little I thought about it during the three and a half hour long yeah, movie. Given what yeah, you given that I, Yeah, given that it was my main focus going in, yeah. even. So, Completely agree. Um, so, so thumbs up all around on the de-aging. Sort of, it sort seems. Of. Like, I'd you know, say massive thumbs up on my end. <laughs> uh, if yeah. I can talk about one more thing slightly outside of the, the film itself, um, I don't know how much you guys have read about this or looked into it, but this is based on, on the book, I Hear You Paint Houses, um, which was about the confessions of, of this guy, uh, yeah. Frank Sheeran, Sheeran yeah. which uh, seemed wildly unsub- unsubstantiated, like just a complete fantasy well, of, of just, a dying man. It's just him saying that, or, or alluding to the fact that he was the guy that shot Jimmy Hoffa. Along with a lot of other very, very high claims. <laughs> like how the Buffalino crime family was actually involved with the CIA to provide... Um, like a plot to kill Castro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and Kennedy pops up in there as well. Is, it is so far-fetched that it, it kind of feels like, like it could be true. <laughs> like if, like, sometimes... And then like, if Martin Scorsese says he's made a movie about if, it. Well, yeah. <laughs> but if, like, if someone says that kind of thing, you're like, there's no way that you would expect us to believe that. Like this almost has to be true. Well, anyway, we don't have to debate whether it is because we can establish we we do not know either way. But how do you guys feel about this film as adapting real life events, but potentially a heavily fictional version of that, or a completely unverified version of that? Did did it occur to you at all that you're watching real historical people? I did, I did, but I was saying I was definitely thinking that you know Scorsese is going to take a lot of artistic license Mm. here. Mm. And expect that in spades. Mm. So don't expect a true, true representation of. Don't expect a documentary laying out, you know, the uh, the fact by fact. You know, there's going to be hyperbole. There's going to be, you know, it's going to have that Scorsese edge to it. And but did you think that the main beats of the like, there's always going to be like you said hyperbole, and there's going to be artistic license to make it a, an entertaining story. Mm-hmm. But in terms of the beats. Which is what I think you're talking about, Ben. Is like, did he kill Jimmy Hoffa? Like that is a no, no. Beat. I'm I'm almost saying that's or ir- did, irrelevant. Did, like, yeah, did, that's what just, I'm like, just I just I was just actually more just curious about your thoughts about yeah. the the situation there because because I will say it didn't really occur to me too much watching the film. I just enjoyed the film that much, and I haven't since gone and delved into mm. reading more about the story. I, mm. I delved into it afterwards, um, and I saw the criticisms of um, Sheeran's um, confession. Um, and it didn't really bother me. Like I'm, I, I think that Scorsese outlined a, an interesting story, um, and and an interesting life, and and that in and of itself is worth putting on film. Like it, whether the, whether there's actual truth to it mm. is a bit irrelevant. 
Yeah, it's kind of like that Roland Emmerich movie, Anonymous, about the who really wrote Shakespeare, all of his plays. Except that's like an actual movement of like Shakespeare truthers. Oh, like I mean, there's really there's weird. like a lot of people that <laughs> this at least seems like there's not like I don't know. Does anyone have a better idea of who killed Jimmy Oliver? Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't. So whatever. Anyway, onto the movie. I guess let's talk about the movie itself. Hmm. I I was just in terms of like the runtime, three and a half hours. I can't tell you. I thought this was a sort of a two and a. This felt to me like a two to two and a half hour film. So you did this in one sitting. Yeah, Connor. I whisked by. I did it in one sitting. Cool. Um, whisked by, and I thought that the editing, the I, I don't think you can pull much out of it. Like I've seen a few people. I thought a comment today on my Facebook feed was like, "That should have been ninety minutes, <laughs> just out of fluff and bullshit." And I was like, you know, okay, fair enough. But um, I, I'm definitely in the camp that this this justifies the end product, and that's definitely through the the. The, the the story and the themes and what this film is trying to say, mm. it all ties together. I completely agree because my, my experience of watching this film, and I alluded to this recently on the show, um, was that it felt very much expected. It felt very much uh, Scorsese doing that, you know, Goodfellas thing again, just going down that same road. I don't think so. No, no well, let me finish. Okay. Because I, I really thought, you know, it was just a lot. Of, it was just throwing all of this mob detail at you and shit that doesn't interest me like crazy. But um, there was a point where uh, his uh, wife showed up for one of her like two scenes in the film, and I was like, "Why do they even include his family in this? Like, what's the point of that? Like, it seems so extraneous." And then I feel like the movie pulls the most amazing bait and switch right with that last forty-five minutes or half an hour, where yeah. it reveals its hand, tells you what it's actually about, yep. and. It is all of this shit, all of his, his life was not the point. That was pointless is what it's saying. And I think that wouldn't land quite so hard if it was a 90-minute movie. Like, you sit through two and a half hours of this shit. You get to know this guy. Yeah, and then at the end it's like, oh, shit, everyone's dead. None of that mattered. Now you're left with the fucking bed you made. And you kind of fucked it, buddy. Um, and I was just, I was blown away by the ending. And it justified everything that came before it. I'm completely in that camp. I think you said it extremely well. Mm. I thought that, as I said, it built into the narrative. It built into the themes. It was important for you to go on this journey with this character. And this film is all about choices. It's all about the decisions you make it's, and, and, and a life filled with regret in the end. And mm. it's a fascinating piece. And if you did do it in a 90 minutes as you said, like you, you, you've got to really soak into these characters. You've got to get to know them. You've got to, you know, sometimes with a film and that's what you get with the TV series. Like sometimes I think to myself, why did I love Haunting of Hill House so much? Mm. It's because I got to know the characters extremely well. And what do I get to know in this film? You get to know these characters extremely well. What I was just ju- but just quickly darting over to why I was butting in there with you saying, oh, this is Goodfellas. I feel like this is in a very different camp to Good Goodfellas in that Goodfellas, there's a lot of, it's a lot about excess. It's a lot mm. about a flamboyant the, life. The glamour of it. The, the glamour, the party. Rock and roll. Life. Exactly. Answers, yeah. And this one, it's a lot more of a refined, you know, they're businessmen. You know, Joe Pesci, if you look at the two characters, he's way more... Um, put together in this piece, so mm. that that's where I was butting in there in terms yeah, yeah, of that yeah. distinction. And the 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 heights of their career, like there's nothing too glamorous about in this movie. It's like, what the fuck are they doing all this murdering for? Like it's squalid. Um, and and 
just to jump quickly over to Joe Pesci, I, I loved the kind of casting of him as the antithesis of what he's known for working with Scorsese as just this kind of peacekeeper almost. He's trying yeah. to kind of keep it. And then he, him at the end was heartbreaking. I was not expecting that from Joe Pesci. Um, you know, when he's in the prison and he's just fallen apart and he just yeah. they wheel him off and you never see him again. And, and, and it's amazing because like that's, it, it spoke to me because that the last time I saw my grandma, like she just like, you know, we were just at, we were just out and my dad was like, oh, she's unwell. And mm. she went off. And that was the, I just, I, it was almost the same thing. Just seeing like going off. He was, and was there like, and then he wasn't. And then it was like. That's how how it goes. That's mm. life. Yeah, and it's you like, know? what was all that shit he was doing? All yeah. the bad stuff they yeah. did. What what did that mean? And it was like the the realism <laughs> of that, and like it, there wasn't like a oh, and you know, a, a montage of all those moments they had together. It was like that's it. Mm. That's the cold hard truth. Mm. And, and it was fascinating. Sorry, so, I'm gonna let you speak in one second. I just, <laughs> just I've been wanna, very patient. I, I know, I know, I know. I, so, I just so. want to wrap up. I thought maybe you guys take Frank's character differently, but I thought there was there was this amazing kind of lack of recognition to him like he seemed regretful without being remorseful actually when he I was like he, talking to the priest and everything yeah. and talking to the reporters he's like yeah the I, he was still trying to justify everything yeah. he's like i was just trying to look after you guys i think you know? he, i think it was like he was regretful of where he ended up but yeah not he didn't regret anything he did totally yeah um so address all um, of our points yeah, yeah. <laughs> um there's nothing in this film that I think is particularly bad or that I would like immediately look at and chop out. Hmm. But I also feel as though this movie is too long. I do. And I think that, um, you know, the best way that I can sum it up in terms of how I felt about the runtime, which is I want to watch this again, but I do not want to invest three and a half hours into hmm. it. Um, because that is, that is a significant amount of time. And, you know, this movie, I think this movie's greatest attribute is kind of what you guys mentioned, which is the ending, that there's all this cool mob stuff and there's some really interesting stuff that happens in it and and the relationships and the tension building and all of that, that kind of ends up with um, with this kind of uh, the fizzle as opposed to a bang. And it's this, I think... What it felt like to me was Scorsese double downing, doubling down, sorry, doubling down on what he said his message was, was with The Wolf of Wall Street, mm. which is that this is all great, but it doesn't pay off at the end, which I don't think he quite hit the nail on that. Like, I don't think he really hit it out of the park with that with The Wolf of Wall Street, because what a lot of people took out of that, it was how great are those party scenes. So I think he really wanted to, to like nail it home on this one. Like yeah. he just, he wanted to say, that's all great, but there's nothing at the end. There's no resolution that makes it all good. Yeah, look at there's the no... final chapter of this story. It felt like him addressing the complaints that he's been receiving his entire career, which is that he glamorizes these criminal lifestyles yeah. without moralizing to the audience, which, you know, it's, it's, debatable because i i watched wolf of wall street and i feel like i get the point of that i'm like this jordan belfort is a piece of shit and i think it's hilarious that he is in the movie mm. uh, himself um and it's like oh man he doesn't get what this movie's about but then again seems like a lot of people don't get what that movie's about necessarily not to to be judgmental of them because it's not 
part of the the direct text of the film necessarily. Yeah. So it feels like with this movie, which is so ideal given the the story within it himself, like an aging director presenting this story, this is yeah. probably going to be like the last gangster movie he makes, definitely with all these actors and everything. It feels like him- Particularly on this scale, it took him like two and a half years to do it. 100%, yeah. So it feels like him really kind of closing the book on these stories and saying, yeah. this is what I meant. <laughs> yeah, and and so I, I thought that that was really impressive. And, and maybe you needed that runtime to be able to pull it off. Mm. But like I said- this might just this might just be the impossible game of like you needed that long to pull it off, but it I still don't think it's worth it. Mm. Like I don't think when I think about this as a as a piece of art or a film or that I'm like I'm not willing to wet, invest another three and a half hours. But I couldn't tell you a bad like necessarily a bad part of this film. I but there's like, entire there's probably entire sequences that if you cut it out, it probably wouldn't make that much difference to me on a viewing level. Totally, you it, you'd be able to not not, what, not everything feels necessary. It all adds up, you know, it all... Yeah, I think I think a lot of that stuff is in there because it, it connects with different moments in history and you're kind of like, cool. Like this this whole thing is like a history lesson, right? And I think it would have been... I think there are scenes in that that are particularly relevant for people that have a, an in-depth understanding of the Buffalino crime family or, or, or certain major events in American history. But I, in terms of a, a, like storytelling, like a... a um, uh, uh, you know, uh, like just just this story as this one piece of literature or or, or storytelling, um, are are somewhat irrelevant. I think not bad, just not particularly needed in in the the context of this story. Yeah, yeah. I, I, and then maybe little anchor points to sort of center, you know, show time, the the movement of time yeah. and and whatnot. But I mean, like. So there's the scene of 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 um, De Niro going down and and bringing the shipment of guns to the to you know down to Florida and they're giving guns to Cuba and it's kind of like cool like that's something that happened in this life and that's something he claimed was a part of uh, you know the, that story but in the context of the actual the Irishman the the movie the the story not particularly necessary like it doesn't really call back that much there's that one moment where he's like oh it's big ears and and you're like okay cool that was there's that circle complete, I guess. Just feel like you'd miss the moment where the guy says, "Like, are you looking at my ears? Because they're not big. I got them fixed." I mean, yeah. again, <laughs> not that. a bad. Like, I'm it's not like, saying like it's a bad scene. Jesse I'm not Clemens talking it. about the fish in the car. I'm like, I don't know what any of this means. Yeah. But I enjoy this. Not, not like a bad film. Not mm. like, or sorry, not a bad scene. Not something that I would be like, you know, easily like, I'll just chop it out. But also, didn't feel as though it was necessary to the story. Mm. I Maybe that's it, the point. Like I don't know. I think it but. all adds up, and I think the the way the impact, the impact of that final thirty minutes where it all comes together is is in this this notion that this film is trying to convey and uh, Frank uh, Sheeran. Frank Sheeran, the character Frank Sheeran, he is one of those loyal characters you know well i mean maybe that's up to, to, a, to a point um but he 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 you know he doesn't have ego about him he he is um he'll do what needs to be done and but there's this there's this idea in here that he's kind of just he doesn't make any choices for himself the choice he makes is to go along with other people's choices. So Russ tells him, Hey, we're driving here, mm. jump on this plane, you go do this. That's the way it's going to go down. And I felt like the, a really key component to this film is this idea of make your own choice in life because it's not in the end, you know, 
he didn't look after himself. He didn't look after his family. His daughter felt alienated from him in the end. And it's a life filled with regret, you know. See, I... You, you didn't see that? I like well, that. I in, think that's in great. A weird, in a weird sense. Like, I, I, when you say a life filled with regret, I, like, he didn't, again, he didn't really seem like he regretted anything at the end. It was, it was a regret of, like, it wasn't a regret of any... He, he was wearing the ring at the end. He yeah, still believed no... in everything that he did. Yeah. It was a regret that it didn't work out in, in a happy ending. But there was no sort of the events that led to where he was. He, it, there was no regret there. So I agree yeah. with what you're saying. Yeah. It was a regret that he, he, was, he was just trying to patch it up with his daughters. He's like, is there anything I can do? Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. he's just trying to patch it up, but he doesn't understand the consequences of all those actions over so many decades that just informed, uh, you know, she can't go back on those decisions. Um, and, and yeah, that for me, and, and that made this so heartbreaking because, at the, you know, at the end, you know, Frank Sheeran's taking out Jimmy Hoffa. Mm. You can't fucking believe it. You know it's going to happen. It's, it's telegraphed in a way. You know it's going to happen and it's done, it's so, it's done so successfully. <clears throat> and, and, but you still kind of, you feel bad for this guy. Like I, I, I still was kind of on this guy's side and, you know, it was, it was, you know, that Scorsese double-edged sword that he does so well. Mm. He uh, really skirts the line of, of uh, he, he doesn't give it to you in black and white of like good, bo- good guy, bad guy. Um, he gives you like a justification. You don't feel at any point that this is the right thing for, for Frank to do or, or, or that he's a good person, but you also feel as though he's human and you understand the decisions that he made in some sense. Exactly. Exactly. I think that's the, that's good storytelling. That that's that's you know presenting real people with real reactions that you can kind of. There's a lot of times in film that you you watch someone do something, and you're like that that decision would never be made by a real human being. Like that's that's purely for story, or that's purely for effect, or it's purely for whatever it may be. Whereas I feel like everything that Frank did in this film, or or anything that anyone did in this film, was something that you could you could reasonably see a human being doing. Like it made sense. The justification was there. Not yeah. that it was right, but that you, it was understandable. You didn't as agree with it, yeah. but you saw how it was informed. Yeah, yeah it, it doesn't condone his actions, but it shows why he's doing it. It shows every step of the way why that's happening. Mm-hmm. And then there's something I think so personally affecting about seeing where he ends up. Yeah. Um, because like that last, last shot is so haunting of him just there with the door half open. It's like, how do I avoid that? Like, because he mm-hmm. was just moving along through his life uh, almost as if it was predetermined. He was a very passive protagonist. He was just doing what he was told. He was yeah. just thinking, doing what he was thinking was right, even though it clearly wasn't. But, um, but and then you see how, where he ends up. It's like, wanting to damn. become part of a, uh, like a group, a family, like the, the recognition that comes along with that and the, you know, people giving him things. And he's like, you know, this sense of loyalty and, and belonging. belonging and all that. And I think there was a, that, you know, we keep mentioning it, but it was a really strong way to end being like that. That was all temperament temperamental like it's it's all you know you can't hold on to that kind of temporary belonging or 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 uh you know achievement and and the thing that you should have been focusing on more which is family you now don't have those are the people that will be around you at the end so yeah Um, we talked briefly about how this is a bunch of actors who are 
maybe in some people's views past their prime, uh, haven't been putting out a lot of great stuff over the past decade or two. Uh, how do you think everyone fared in that this? That is... A false statement. Spectacular. This is just amazing work. It's a false statement that those they haven't been putting out good stuff. Yeah, yeah. Pacino's <laughs> really been seen on the top the of fuckers? his game. Um, Fuck. Um, well, let's go through. Let's start with De Niro. Obviously, the anchor of the film. This guy has a way of re- reading lines that come off so natural. Mm. He seems like he's just in a conversation. Mm. I'm sure if he went to the script, though, it wouldn't be improvised. It would yeah. be, you know, those are his lines, and he is. He truly is a master of his craft. Him and Pesci in this, I think, were phenomenal. They mm. riff off each other amazingly well. You can see the gang is truly back together. That Those two, yeah. I just, I mean, I, look, Al Pacino was really good. I think him as Jimmy Hoffa was, was good. Very Al Pacino performance. Yeah. Just a lot of so shouting loud. and hoo-ah. So but, um, and, and I thought that there was that scene um, at the appreciation dinner where... Um, Hoffa was talking to Russell. That was a spectacular scene. But I think the anchor of this was, was Pesci. I loved Pesci. He was outstanding. Incredible. He was so good and, and so reserved. reserved. Yes. Yeah. And I thought that his level of like, you could never quite tell how powerful he was, but you could also tell how powerful he was. Mm. Like it was just, it was this perfect line that he walked. Um, the level of influence. Yeah. But there was still a, you know, he's like, at one point he's like the uppers. You know, so he wasn't the top of the food chain, you mm. know, but he had a good, good piece of the pie somewhere in the middle there. Uh, and I, I thought that was that was interesting world building, as it were. So did you get the the sense? Did you get the idea that he was the the crime? He was the Buffalino cry boss. Um, because he's he's a real he, person. Like he could, like he could, was. He, he maybe he was the top. You know, maybe that was the whole thing. Is he was bluffing about that? I don't know. Um, no, so I'm saying because like he was like in real life, he okay, was he was right. the head of the Buffalino crime family for yes. decades, I think, or or something like that. And, and the, yeah. the movie never quite solidifies it. I don't mind that. Like I quite like that you never really understood where he sat solidly See, I did, I in the hierarchy. Really think about that, like yeah. even mentioning that it was kind of superfluous to me. Yeah, mm. it also kind of it gave me this this, this sense of like it was more real because the um, cartoonish. I guess idea of a mob is that you got the boss and then you got like the underlings and like there's a very kind of structure. I think there, right? there, there obviously is that hierarchy, but this felt more like it felt more dangerous because you didn't know where people belonged or like how high up or low, you know, low they were. And I, I just liked it. And, I, and you'd get little comments about like when Hoffa wants to take out the little man and people were just being like, you can't do that. Like hmm. he's, you know, he's someone important. Yeah. I, I just I loved that sense of like oh right that like that's someone important. Mm. I loved uh, yeah uh, what is it Tommy from Snatch? Don't know his name. The the uh, oh other, yeah, 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 other, yeah other union um, guy. The uh, Joe um, Hoffer was clashing with yeah the, the little whole man time. Joe um something or other yeah the um, Abbott or Abby or the all that stuff about being late to meetings yeah oh, that was all so brilliant good. that was yeah. so entertaining to watch uh, and i love those interactions back at the um you know the uh, robert de niro's big celebration uh the interactions between you know robert de niro and and uh the second interaction between him and um al pacino you know it was like you know really persuasive just really trying to come on bro like you, you felt just, for like that those mm. scenes where he's like, you tell him, you are killing no, yourself. You tell him, mm. you are literally like, 
you felt for De Niro, man. You 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 had this outpouring of sympathy of like he's trying to help his friend and he's trying to appease. Like we've all been there where someone's like, you have to tell this person something. You're like, oh, and you fuck. You almost knew that De Niro was going to do it as well. You know, not only did he have to try and convince him not to, and he failed at that, but he knew in the like end that the, the narrative send. was going to end up in the place where it did, which was so, oh, it was like in that moment, you kind of subconsciously knew that was going to yeah. happen and somehow. Such a great uh, illustration of how unnecessary it all was. It was just egos clashing over yeah. nothing. But there was all, there was like, you know, some people are saying this, that, and the other. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, please do X, Y, Z. You know, there's like a very gentle initial interaction that escalates extremely quickly. Mm. And I, I like those interactions. Um, what anything else? else? In this movie? Uh, cinematography and the overall technical side of it was, Spot was on. maybe not as flashy as you sometimes get with Scorsese, particularly in recent years, but it definitely seems to have this sort of sweeping... Um, steady cam, you know, floating through time aspect to it, and I thought there was, was a very interesting as- decision because he, he he took his time with these shots, right? Lots of long, lingering, moving shots, um, and the, particularly that first one, which is just it's pretty slow and 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 thing. And the first thing that my uh, my fiance said when she goes, "This is a three and a half fucking hour film. <laughs> Get the fuck on with it." <laughs> I was just like, "Oh no, uh, here we go." <laughs> Yeah, no, I thought this was just fantastically put together. And Scorsese, he does this thing where it has this sort of bluish tinge to it, and I just love the grading that he puts on his films and yeah. the image. The the image is just it's just very very yeah. beautifully put together from from a mm. shot and a cinematography angle. Yeah, I, I thought this film was. I, I was sort of thinking to myself. Point. Yeah, I thought to myself watching this like. You know, from from a kid growing up with VHS, you know, how fucking cool is it that I can go and just click a couple of buttons and boom, here's an exclusive piece of content from Martin Scorsese for this platform. I think that's fucking cool, man. You know, that 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 that's ultimately very satisfying, that notion. That is pretty cool. And I the fact that the film delivers is a, is a, even more awesome. I am so certain I would not have made it through this on TV. Yeah, yeah, look, it's um, it's a, it is. Give it a crack, man. It I, is a slog. Give it a crack, Jack. I'm, I'm it's one, definitely once not a slog. Time, this what time year, in the think, day did you watch this? About five o'clock. Okay. Yeah, I was a bit late. Like I finished up at eleven. Oof, I'll um, get you on a Sunday night or something, right? No, on a Friday night. Okay. Um, but even then, like that's after work, so like, yeah, I'm you're pretty, pretty spent anyways. after the week as well. <laughs> but I mean. There's lots of other movies that I'll watch that that are more economical in the way that they tell stories, and I'm like, you know, yeah. I can I can watch that on a Friday night and finish at eleven. Um, yeah, like I said, I I definitely want to watch this again, but I do not want to spend three and a half hours doing it. I can watch this any day of the week. This is just I would be so, I, I'm so fast. Like I want you to rewatch it, and I want to know if I said you I feel think- like it flies by. I, that I'm really this, curious. Maybe the second viewing, it won't be the same, but this particular one, yeah. it was just... Because I think that's the real test, right? Like if a, if a film no, on I don't second... Think so. I think you can watch a film once and it can be... Re- I don't think a so, film I mean, should, like, be, should be built on the merits of rewatchability. You know, some films definitely should be, but other films, it's like, I was in that cinema at that year, in that time, and that film connected with me in that moment. And that will never, ever, ever, no matter how many times I rewatch it, it'll never meet that. Yeah, and that's no, just no, a fact. No, that's, that's fine. That's just facts. 
Um, yeah, yeah, that's interesting because for me, this movie almost has a twist ending. Um, so I have no real burning desire to watch it again anytime soon or necessarily ever again. I, I it's the experience of seeing sitting through it that first time was so rewarding um, that I, I'm happy to just like that was perfect. Yeah, just leave it as that. Mm. Yeah, no, I I, I get that. Um, Any final thoughts on the Irishman? Well done. <laughs> well done, yeah. Scorsese. Well done. You showed well us. Done. You showed us. The MCU does suck. I agree with you now. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's what happens when you turn thirty. Uh, <laughs> you tell me so, when I'm old. <laughs> sorry, um, it happened to me as well. Uh, <laughs> fucking oldies. <laughs> yeah, it's scary, man. It's scary. It's the wild west out here. <laughs> <laughs> We're talking about a man that is like making movies in what is he he's in eighties now? Mm. <laughs> he's the late seventies. Yeah, let's see how like, old Scorsese is. I, I think think man, I was watching De Niro at the end of this movie. I'm like, that's me. We can probably no, calm he's down. Ninety three, sir. You, <laughs> Who is? <laughs> no, 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 no. Man, Scorsese. Oh. Right. Yeah, that, I was like, fuck, there's no way he's in the yeah. 90s. Yeah. Um, cool. Irishman 2. No. Keen. Bring it on. The what happens to edition. him? Yeah, after yeah. he's just ha- left in that. In what that happens place. in between the, the scene when they're in the car with the going down the highway to when Joe Pesci gets wheeled off? <laughs> Find out. Find out on Irishman 2. Guys, let us know what you thought of the Irishman. Uh, Did you make it through it? Did you watch it at the cinema mm. or did you watch it at your home television station emporium device set up? Let us know. We've also got our Knives Out review up, so go check that out and have a great have a great time. Just stay well. We'll see you next time. Be Connor. happy. See Bye. You. Bye, see everybody. You, Look after yourselves. Bye. This is going to turn into like a self-help Go podcast. To your